Hello and good morning, everybody. I hope you all slept as well as I did last night. I feel amazing today. And speaking of last night, I haven't actually sat down and watched a good movie in a long time. And last night, someone suggested the movie I See You on Netflix, which is kind of like a a horror thriller movie. And it was amazing. It might be my favorite movie that I've seen in the in 2023, if not in the past year or so. I mean, talk about twists and turns. I don't want to give any spoilers away. Not that I really could because it was just so well written. But if you like disappearing boys and uh, hardened detectives and crazy foreboding music, this is the movie for you. But anyways, I'm Eli, and we're back today with another episode of Murder in the Morning. I have, hopefully, another interesting tale for you. While technically it isn't a murder story or even a story about one individual human, but rather an animal, uh, a dolphin to be exact, you may be wondering why on this podcast about murder I might be talking about an animal, and I'm kind of wondering that myself, but... For the past few weeks, we've covered some really heavy cases, and it's just been a little bit soul-draining, honestly, just to stay in that same headspace of kill, kill, kill. So I thought I'd lighten it up this week with a quick story, but a story that I had never heard of before, and I hate to admit it, but I came across this scrolling through Facebook. It caught my eye, and, well, it was very intriguing, to say the least. So a few of my sources today, um, an article by Thalia Alves from culturetrip.com, um, an article in the Encyclopedia of New Zealand, and then an article written by Samantha on todayifound.com, today found and obviously uh, Wikipedia. Let's jump in here. So whether or not all of it is true or more legend, I think it's honestly one of the coolest stories I've, I've heard lately. And I want to share that with you guys today. Plus, last week, we had a little guest appearance of a canine dog named Kylie. And it got me thinking about how animals and humans interact and our relationships between them. And I think this is just a really good example, I think, of how we should be with nature around us rather than how we actually are. Because, my goodness, dolphins are gnarly. This is the legend of Polaris Jack. Okay, let me take you way, way back to the 19th century New Zealand. The year is 1888, and waterways are vital to the world. Between the shipping industry and travel alone, before planes and trains became mainstream, water was how people and goods got from point A to point B. This made for many dangerous journeys and expeditions over countless seas and oceans before radar and other technologies made sailing safer, um, much, much safer. But there was a particularly rough patch down in New Zealand that caused quite a bit of trouble quite often. And that spot would be Cook Strait, named after James Cook, who was the first European commander to sail through it in 1770. I mean, typical. I Everybody liked to name things after themselves back then. But anyways, this strait, S-T-R-A-I-T, connects the Tasman Sea on the northwest 
with the South Pacific Ocean on the southeast. From the Pilar Sound to the French Pass, hence the name of our dolphin boy, Jackie. Um, that's just one end to the other, the names of either side of this. And this area is known to have some of the most dangerous and unpredictable waters in the world. Cook Strait separates the North and South Islands in New Zealand and is about 22 kilometers or 14 miles wide at its very narrowest point. The article that I mentioned by Samantha at Today I Found Out describes just how treacherous these waters could be. Um, so this is a quote directly from her article. Quote, Cook Strait, located between the North and South Islands of New Zealand, is within the zone of the Roaring Forties, which consists of strong winds that sweep across the southern hemisphere from the west. The winds themselves are funneled through a gap in the two islands. On top of this, cool currents from Canterbury travel north up the coast of the South Island, while the warmer currents travel south to meet it, contributing to the occasionally turbulent waters. In the late 19th and 20th centuries, this stretch of water wrecked havoc on many ships, including <clears throat> in the two worst including resulting in the two worst catastrophes of New Zealand's history. The 1909 demise of the SS Penguin and the sinking of the Wahine Ferry in 1968. End quote. So basically you have a wind tunnel on top of you, like this naturally formed wind tunnel from either island on each side. And then you have two different currents coming from two separate directions from the water below. It's essentially this perfect meeting place of many different types of weather, and it will and does stir up some crazy storms. Okay, but why does this matter? Why am I telling you find folk all this super duper interesting information that I'm sure has hooked you in? Well, these waters of New Zealand just happen to be the home of the amazing Polaris Jack, a one-of-a-kind dolphin. Polaris Jack was a Rissos dolphin, um, R-I-S-S-O-S, -S -S, sometimes referred to as a gray dolphin, named after Antoine Rissot, yet again. Uh, these animals are quite large for dolphins, sometimes growing up to four meters in length, and most of their closest relatives or species are referred to as whales, such as pilot whales, pygmy killer whales, melon-headed whales, and false killer whales, none of which I'd ever heard of before. And when looking at these photos of the Rissos dolphins, they do look to me a lot more similar to a whale that I'm used to rather than a classic dolphin you see at Florida's oceanside resorts. So... Polaris Jack, as I mentioned before, made his home in these waters between both of the New Zealand islands in this place called Cook Strait. But what made him so unique? First of all, to see Orisso's dolphin in this area was quite rare. There were scarce reports of seeing these. One, um, one report said there was a group of maybe 12 of them many years ago before Jack's first sighting. But besides that, there haven't been any other reports of a Rissos dolphin in that same area. So just to see him was odd, but then you tack on the fact that he was always alone was another strange behavior for this type of dolphin. Normally um, they were in pods or packs or whatever you call them. This, however, 
wasn't what actually made him famous. There is no legend of Polaris Jack just because he was a cool dolphin. It was much, much more than that. According to many legends from 1888 to 1912, this dolphin would meet vessels and ships at Polaris Sound on one side of the Cook Strait, and he would appear to accompany or even guide these vessels through the treacherous waters all the way to the French Pass, where he would stop and he would never swim into or through, but then he would meet another returning vessel and allegedly guide them the eight kilometers back towards Polora Sound. This dolphin allegedly guided many, many ships over 24 years. Obviously, a lot of it is rumor and storytelling, but some of these crazy, crazy stories really stick out and truly show how capable and intelligent this particular dolphin had been. So the first account of Jack helping sailors is a questionable one. Um, there was a, a schooner, I believe you pronounce it, or basically a really large sailboat named the Brindle. And they had approached Cook Strait. When Jack swam up to the vessel, according to Samantha's article, quote, upon seeing the marine animal splashing alongside their boat, the crew supposedly attempted to shoot the dolphin, but the captain's wife is said to have intervened and prevented the murder of the dolphin. It is then generally re reported that Polaris Jack proceeded to guide the Brindle through the treacherous waters and deliver them safely on the other side. A hero was born, end quote. Now, that's obviously quite the origin story, and it has been questioned and disputed many times over. But no matter how much truth this story holds, Polaris Jack's tale was just beginning. It didn't matter what type of ship or mariner approached the strait, Jack would consistently approach them and guide or follow, depending on what you believe, the sailors through the waters. This, I think, is what truly made him famous. The sheer amount and consistency of him accompanying these ships for 20 plus years. And among those countless encounters, many more chronicles were forged. So remember when I mentioned the SS Penguin just a couple of minutes ago from the quote in Samantha's article and how they had a terrible disaster? Well, there may have been a little bit more to the story than just those treacherous waters. So essentially, the story goes like this. In 1904, there was a sailor aboard the SS Penguin. He went and got drunk, found a weapon, and when Jack approached the vessel to guide them, this drunken sailor decided to shoot the dolphin and ended up wounding Jack. Luckily, our amazing dolphin was able to escape, but he fell off the map for a few weeks while he was healing. Eventually, he reappeared with a shiny new scar from that encounter. And it is said that after this happened, Polaris Jack would never show up for the SS Penguin again and quote unquote, never guide the Penguin through the strait. And a lot of people believe that this is why the ship met its watery fate on February 12th, 1909, since Jack was no longer there as a guide, a friend, or maybe simply just as a good luck charm anymore. But the fact remains that Jack recognized the SS Penguin's vessel that hurt him and he would no longer approach, play with, guide, or just be friendly to them for as long as he lived. 
And honestly, if I had been traveling this passage for years and years and had come to know Polaris Jack as a friendly greeter, honestly, I would now be scared to not see him um, as we approach this frightening area. And on February 12th, the SS Penguins started their day as any other, but as the sun came down, the weather showed its teeth. As visibility quickly disappeared, Captain Francis Naylor chose to head into deeper waters to avoid hitting land on either side and hopefully wait out the storm. This would prove a fateful decision. Ironically, the ship ran straight into Tom's Rock and began to sink almost immediately. Here's another wonderful snippet from an article called The Truth About the Legend of Polaris Jack um, in regards to this sinking ship. So, quote, as per tradition, women and children were loaded into the lifeboat, lifeboats first, but this proved to be little help to them. Once the first boats hit the water, the rough waters caused them to capsize, ultimately resulting in the deaths of most of the passengers. The youngest survivor, teenager Ellis Matthews, was saved by the heroic efforts of Ada Hanan, or Ada Hanam, the sole female survivor, and a woman who lost her husband and four children in the shipwreck. The remaining of the remaining 30 of the over 100 original passengers spent hours being buffeted around in the storm before they finally arrived safely on shore. As for the penguin itself, the flooding of the engine room resulted in an explosion, leaving the remains of the boat to sink to the bottom of the sea. End quote. Now, obviously, this was very tragic and perhaps unavoidable, but there are still a lot of people out there that believe. If that man years ago hadn't wounded our boy Jack, that he would have showed up that night and guided them to safety. Which, yes, that's quite a long shot and maybe a very tall tale, you could say. But when you think about it, I mean, the dolphin definitely would have known where Tom's Rock was. I mean, he wouldn't have swam into it. And maybe he would have swam around it and the ship could have followed him. Uh I'm not saying that Jack alone could have saved those people's lives, but I'm not not saying that, right? Some people want to believe that there was never actually a drunken sailor that shot Jack, and they they blame Jack himself, um, saying that he got a little too close to the boat and was cut up by the sharp underside of one of these vessels. But I feel like he was smarter than that, especially after doing it for decades. And knowing humans, I would definitely put my money on the drunk shooting him. But whatever did happen after Jack healed, he continued for nearly a decade, happily following, guiding, and playing with almost every ship that would come through, well, his waters. Let's, let's be honest. That was, it was his home now. And again, Jack's dependability and friendliness made him quite the famous dolphin, so much so that he became the first individually protected marine animal. Quote, in 1904, the governor, Lord Plunkett, which this is a part of the quote, but I love that name, signed an order in council decree that made it illegal to take the species from the waters of the Cook Strait and its surroundings. The order came with punishable fines ranging between five pounds and a hundred pounds and made New Zealand the first country in the world grant legal protection to a single marine creature, end quote. 
But the fame didn't stop at New Zealand or the surrounding areas either. Even Mark Twain and English writer Frank T. Bullen are some of the most well-known visitors to seek out this fabled Rissos dolphin. And there are so many more stories, happy, confusing, bewildering, and unbelievable that show who this dolphin was. But these are just a few of the most interesting ones, at least to me. And the fact that he did this for almost 30 years was just amazing. Like he found something he loved, stuck to it. And honestly, that's more than a lot of people can say. As to how Polaris Jack eventually passed away, um, that has been disputed again and again and again. One account, there was a deathbed confession by a whale hunter or a dolphin hunter who claimed that he killed a dolphin who resembled Jack, but that was never confirmed. There was another account by the name or by a man named Charlie Moeller, um, and he was the guy who kept the light on at the French Pass. And he claimed that he saw Jack's remains wash up on the shore and slowly rot away, which, according to a lot of people, this seems to be the most likely since Jack was getting quite old. Um, a typical Arisos dolphin can live between 20 and 40 years, and Jack was at least 24 at the very minimum from his first official sighting in 88 to his last in 1912. And I, this part I, I just love. I found this quote from culturetrip.com, and I thought it was just adorable. As he grew older, he slowed down, and passing ships often reduced their speeds to follow their aging companion, end quote. Like, isn't that just lovely? The, the ships who now grew so fond of Jack after years, they would slow down so he could keep up and continue playing or surfing in the waves as he had loved to do for so many years before. Even to this day, uh, there are boats named after Polaris Jack. There are folk songs that have endured for over a century singing his praise. Uh, and there was even a New Zealand chocolate bar created in his honor. Whether or not you believe that he actually would guide these ships through dangerous waters to safety, or he was simply enjoying their company, I think we all ought to remember the story of Polaris Jack and the kind nature of animals. That's it. <laughs> bye bye. Love you. I never know how to fucking end these things. Play the goddamn outro.